0: is asking me to get a clear mind. Lord give him a right mind. Let the maniac of Gadera had one after he got saved. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Maybe he knows me better than I know myself. We sure did miss y'all. We had a good time. Uh and uh it was a blessing to be with Paula for that long time her birthday was may the 31st our anniversary was june the 2nd and my birthday was may the 14th and we just bunched them all up it was just a real sweet time i know daniel did a good job i haven't been able to listen to the messages yet but i know i'll i'll be edified and helped by them i want you to turn to two places in your bible this morning Uh, First in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and after you locate that, turn to Galatians chapter 6. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and Galatians 6. I want to invite you to uh, come to the uh, leadership meeting, especially those that are involved in in serving. Uh, It's important. It will encourage you, I will tell you that. Be a blessing, keep you in the work longer. And we're not going to fuss at you. I want to encourage you, talk to you a little bit. be a blessing to you. And you say, well, I, I don't um, I'm not a leader. I don't know what a leader is. Well, a leader is someone that influences others, and maybe you want to do that. Uh, I would invite you to come. It's not going to be somebody at the door taking names. And says, well, now you don't qualify. Uh, The truth is, is uh, God doesn't uh, call the qualified. He he, he qualifies the called. And uh, God may want you to do something for him that you don't know about. So I I hope you'll come tonight at 530. And uh, we've not really done anything like this before, but I think that this is uh, something that will be very helpful to us. When I was a teenager, I began collecting quotes and I would listen in church especially and I would put them right here on the fly leaf of my Bible. People would sign my Bible sometimes and and I would just, all of my Bibles are filled with quotes. I would listen to preachers or sometimes on the radio and write down things. Now, when I listen to podcasts, I'll stop and What I'm doing and and write it down, grab a napkin or something. I have a section in my phone where I take notes. And uh, we were driving back from, uh, I say, New York. We left out of New Jersey, but it was right there in New York Harbor. And uh, we were, Paul and I were listening to a podcast. And I was just taking notes on my phone. Oh, that's really good. Uh, that's that's a good one. And it was just helpful to me. Now, I don't know if this will help you or not. And I'm not in the message. I'm just kind of uh, talking to you as a pastor here. Um, when I listen to a sermon, I'm always interested in the outline. Because the outline helps me with the flow of the message. Some people are better at outlines than other folks. Some people have a very detailed outline. Mine are very simple. I try to make my outlines portable. What I mean by that is that you can carry them so that you would be able to, uh, somebody said, what what did your pastor talk about? So that you could tell them. It's a form of witnessing to give people the word of God. And you could just tell them. And that's why I make them simple. And then also that you can teach them. Um I remember um, at one of our camps years ago that one of our our young men was preaching there and he won the he won the preaching award at the camp. They had all kinds of guys that were up there preaching and and he won and one of the judges they had different guys that were were judging the sermons and he was a friend of mine I knew him from a while back and he caught me later on on the grounds of the camp and he said um, wow he said uh, that young man from your church he that was impressive he really did a good job and and the content in that message was was really for his age was really something and I, i just it really was well, Paula spoke up and said, "Well, that was Rick's sermon that he preached last Sunday. He just preached the sermon that Rick preached, and I really kind of popped the boy's balloon. He wasn't there, thankfully, and um, but you know it, it will help you to be able to to carry that to bless other people. So the outline is important, but what I'm, I'm looking for are specific moments in that message that God that God speaks to me. And I'm looking for takeaways. What, what is God speaking to me about? Now, what He speaks to me about may not be for you. And a lot of times it will be an application, something that He wants me to do. He wants me to start. He, something that I've stopped doing or something that He wants me to stop. It may be an insight that I, I haven't heard before or something that uh, I need to repent from. And it may be another quote. But when I listen to sermon, I'm listening for something. You know, one of the secrets of reading the Bible is looking for something. You just open your Bible and that's better than nothing. But if you're looking for something, it really makes, it's a treasure hunt. It's really good. Same way with a sermon. Sometimes you don't know what you're looking for specifically, but you're looking for uh, you want God to speak to you. Uh, Les Olala, one of my mentors, he said this, when you come to, the, when you come to hear a sermon, don't, don't bring a magnifying glass, bring a bucket. You see the difference? Uh, don't, don't come to critique it and bring a magnifying glass and say, well, he, he had the wrong text or they put the wrong verse on the slide or, or whatever. Don't bring a magnifying glass, bring a bucket. You want to receive something. And you ought to walk out with three or four things, or at least one compelling idea, one compelling action that's going to transform your life. And I'm ever grateful that my parents were faithful to take us to church. And and they taught me how to listen by by their body language. And I carried that over into into Bible college and in other ways. And I, I love good Bible preaching. I just always had before I was ever called to preach. I love good Bible preaching. And so what I just told you has helped me more in my spiritual growth, probably more than anything besides meditating on the Word of God. That's far and above. Just reading, memorizing, and meditating has helped me more than anything. But in terms of hearing the Word of God and engaging with it in that form has just... Helped me more than anything. Well, I want to share a quote with you this morning that God has used uh, in my life uh, as much as anything, And, and it goes like this that God, obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Now, there's only eight words there, most of them are monosyllables. But that is a power-packed statement. It helps you no matter how old you are, no matter what stage you are in life. It gives you courage, it gives you conviction, it gives you faith, it gives you comfort. It's such a good quote. Obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Now, what kind of quotes do you have in your life? When I was working football games, um, I was at halftime. I was talking to one of the guys that and he runs a scoreboard, and he said, "Rick, do you do you like quotes?" I said, "I love quotes." I said, I, "I have I've collect quotes on my own, and I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe a couple of thousand, and they're on my on my computer, and they're arranged by topic." And he said, well, I'd like to have that sometime." I said, "Well, I'll I'll make you a copy of that." And so the next week, I, I downloaded that on my printer, made a copy of it, went to his office. He happened to be out of the office, and I had it in a folder, in a Manila folder after that, I put his name on it. They told me where his desk was uh, down, downtown at the office where we worked for the city of Huntsville, and wrote him a little kind note and put it there. Um, I I love quotes. I collect them, not just to collect them, but they motivate me. Dr. Lee Robertson taught me that. He said, I'm always looking for things that inspire me. And that's one of the things that inspires me. Obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Well, that truth is is not mentioned verbally just that way in the word of God. But boy, it's mentioned all over scripture, the intent of that. And I want you to look with me at at perhaps the the clearest way it's given in God's word. In 1 Samuel chapter two and verse 30. Eli was a priest and God had given him an assignment and he had compromised his assignment and was derelict in his duties. And so Samuel was the prophet, and he came, and he confronted Eli the priest. And uh, later on, Eli died from this, and literally didn't kill himself, but it sent him in such terror that he died from this meeting with Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, here's what Samuel told Eli. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. Now what he didn't do, if you read the whole text there, and here's exactly what it says, he did not restrain his sons. And they were making a mockery of the priesthood. Make a mockery of it. He did not restrain them. But now the Lord said, be it far from me. For them, watch this, and here it is. Here's that quote given in Scripture. For them that honor me, I will honor, God says. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now that, that's, that's a terrifying quote or comforting quote depending upon which end of the spectrum you are because sometimes we're on both ends of the spectrum. It ought to do both to us. It ought to encourage us and it ought to frighten us. Them that honor me, I will honor. The word honor there means to give weight to. It means to, you need to pay attention to this. This, this, is, this is heavy. This, this ought to cause you to pause. Them that honor me, them that magnify me, them that promote me, them that glorify me, I, I will honor. God says, when you when you promote me, I will promote you. When you glorify me, I will not glorify you as God, but I will put some of that glory on you. That's what he's saying. You honor me, I will honor you. That's simple, isn't it? Look at the other half. And they that despise me. The word despise there means to, to hold contempt toward, to show disrespect for. God, I, I, don't, I don't respect you and, and your words. God says, when you do that, you'll be lightly esteemed. You know what that means? It means to be slighted. It means to be ignored. It means to be small in my eyes. But this is God's eyes. God says that when you dishonor me, when you despise me, you're small in my eyes. You're not going to be honored by me. I'm not going to recognize you. You need to underline these words. This is is terrifying. And it's a comfort too. Obey God and leave the consequences to Him. But here we have also the negative correlation. Disobey God and experience the pain and sorrowful results. What a serious scripture text. It's worth pondering. It's worth leaving this house when you get in the car and and writing that verse down and meditating upon it and finding out, is God honoring my life or am I lightly esteemed with the Lord? The natural bent of the human heart is toward selfishness. And here's how the Bible describes selfishness in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. What does that mean? Well, the natural tendency of a sheep is to get lost. That's why God compares us to to sheep. They get lost easy. And the shepherds always trying to crowd and find the sheep. We get lost easy. All we just like sheep have gone astray. Now look at this. We have turned everyone, all of us, look at this, to his own way. To his own way. I don't want to do God's way. I want to do my way. We turned everyone to his own way. That's the definition of sin. Selfishness. S-I-N. Selfishness is S-I-N. Sin. At the heart of all sin is pride and selfishness. Turning ourselves to our own way. We're not interested in God's will. We're interested in our will, in our plans. Now look at the second half of the verse. This grabbed me this week because it belongs here. I mean, it looks like it's opposite and he's changing subjects, and he is. And the Lord, the Heavenly Father, hath laid on him, that is Christ, the iniquity of us all. While we're doing our way... God has our best interests at heart. And the gospel message is about anything but selfishness from the heart of God. He laid his life down. The Father sent the Son to be brutally beaten and bruised at the hands of wicked people and to die for your sins and for my sins. He was anything but selfish. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I want to do my thing. I want to do what I want to do. Have you ever come to the place in your life and said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I I put myself at your hand. I want to do your will. I surrender myself to you. Well, in recent weeks, we've been emphasizing this theme on investing and inviting. And we've been talking about the purpose of our church and how to accomplish that. The purpose of our church is to honor God. And here's how God is honored, but through changed lives, transformed lives, our transformed lives, but also bringing other people, by bringing people to Christ, And they're saved. They receive the Holy Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope and glory. And then discipling them. You have evangelism. You have discipleship. That's where you get transformed lives, changed lives. And that honors God. A full building doesn't honor God. But a full building with transformed lives honors God. What, What honors the Lord is not busyness it's transformed lives it's it's when your life is different and we're not we're not following the drumbeat of the world we're walking with God there's something distinctively different when i was uh, in bible college that was one of the kind of the the themes to, to our christian college and it was on literature it wasn't in big letters but it was kind of Underneath, it just said, distinctively different. And then one of the men came along and and uh, that became president. And he said, and I know this uh, firsthand. And he said, well, we're not going to use that anymore. Because that's self-righteous and it's legalistic. And I got wind of it and I thought... That's the death knell of the school. Being distinctively different is self-righteous. That's legalism. No, that, that's the fruit of a godly life. Humility is distinctively different. Love is distinctively different. The Bible in the Old Testament particularly talks about the beauty of holiness, not the repulsiveness of holiness. My life ought to be distinctively different, even from, from professing Christians, investing, and inviting. We're going to talk about this, and we'll take a break every now and then. We want to talk about this. I want you to see this concept, and I want you to re- remember this. This ought to be something you remember for the rest of your life, that every day I'm investing, every day I'm inviting it's easy to agree on the purpose of our church. We all want to honor God. My job is to honor God. We all want to see transformed lives. We all want to see people saved. And we all want to see people discipled. It's easy to agree on our purpose and it's easy to do nothing about it. Just having a purpose statement. Have you ever been in a restaurant and they had the purpose statement up because there was, that was really in vogue. There's nothing wrong with a purpose statement. But to put it up and you stare at it like, we value excellence. They don't have excellent service. Their restrooms are dirty. There's nothing excellent about the place. And you want to take, hey, as a manager here, as the owner here, what does this mean? The purpose statement means nothing. Most of you are familiar with the purpose statement, but it's easy to agree upon it and do nothing about it. When we honor God's principles, He honors us, but when we don't, we're in trouble. Now I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6. This is where we're going to be this morning. And I want to talk to you again on the law that makes us or breaks us. And that is the law of sowing and reaping. This is one of God's principles that He has stamped in His creation from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. That seeds and trees reproduce after their kind. That animals reproduce after their kind. You, you, you reap what you have sown. Now, I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 6 and notice in verse 7. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary, this is important, we won't address this this morning, but later, And let us not be weary in well-doing, that is, in in the sowing to the Spirit. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Brother Daniel, will you help me? Would you turn these lights on here and on the side? We just overlooked it this morning. Uh, my poor eyes. There's no telling what I'm going to say this morning if I don't have some light up here. Let there be light. Amen. So every Christian can be a more effective witness by applying the principles in this text, and I just want to give you one principle. And when you read it, and when you read it, you're going to say, "Is that it?" And I'm going to say, "Yes." But notice in verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And here's a principle, we cannot ignore God's principles. That's it, that's a principle. You cannot ignore God's principles. Before God gives the law of the harvest, here's what he says, God is not mocked. Thank you, Daniel. God is not mocked. Now the word mocked there is very interesting. It means to be ridiculed. And the Greek word has the idea of a face. What's this? Of a face of contempt. Have you ever seen someone um, and just their very countenance was one of contempt? One of the words that, that, it's a compound word, has, it has the idea of, of someone's nostrils uh, being drawn up in contempt. Just, nah, I don't, I don't believe that. And they mock you. But they're not mocking you, they're mocking God here. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. And what they're mocking, and what we mock, is we're mocking the law of sowing and reaping. This law that will make you or break you, that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Don't mock that. Don't scorn that. Don't look down your nose at that. Listen, you do not break God's law as much as God's law will break you. Yes, you can break it, but God's law is ultimately going to break you. We mock it when we ignore it. We mock God's law of the harvest when we think we're the exception to it. And one of the commentaries I use frequently, Jameson and Fawcett and Brown, here's what they said about this verse. Listen to this. This is powerful. God, listen, God does not allow himself to be imposed on by empty words. yeah Lord I want to serve you, yeah, yeah, I'm concerned about lost people yeah, I believe that I believe in the great commission. I believe in the mission statement for our church. God does not allow himself to be imposed on by empty words. He will judge according to works which are seeds sown for eternity of either joy or woe. W-O-E, sorrow. Now, contextually, and everything is in a context in the Bible, do you know what he's talking about in this text? We'll go back to verse 6. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and look at verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word, this is a congregation, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, the word communicate has the idea of share. And it's the same word we get the word fellowship from. Giving is fellowshipping. Here's what he's saying. That people that teach you, you give of your resources to them. This is what he's saying. Let him that is taught in the word communicate, share, give unto him that teacheth, In all things. I don't like to say these things because I'm teaching you. But and then he goes right into it and says, Don't be deceived. God's not mocked for whatsoever man soweth. What are you sowing in this context? In this context, you're sowing the seed of finances. Now there's a general application which we're making towards witnessing. And I'm going to make some other applications too today. But also He's saying, when you you sow the seed into other people's life that have blessed you, you will reap what you have sown. This is what God's Word says. Don't be deceived. Don't mock God by saying, I don't believe that. It's true. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 21, there's a, I'm sorry, Psalm 50 and verse 21 This is a frightening, frightening verse. I put Genesis up there. I think it's Psalm 50 and verse 21. These things hast thou done, God says, and I kept silence. You know, sometimes you think, well, I'm not experiencing the judgment that you keep talking about, Rick. I'm not experiencing. Well, God says, I'm keeping silence. And and thou thinkest, thou thoughtest that I was altogether such in one as thyself. That I'm just like a human. That I don't know what's going on. That you are, that you're selfish and I don't know it. That you're wasting resources. That you're just living for yourself and at the last minute going to try to squeak into heaven are going to try to earn rewards for yourself as a Christian. But I will reprove thee, God says. Now look at this, this is frightening. And set them in order before thine eyes. Now that may be on the judgment day. In other words, your your harvest, your lack of righteous harvest or the presence of a wicked harvest we made manifest on that day. Terrible words. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, God spoke to one of the tribes that wanted to stay over on the other side of the river because they liked the land and they didn't want to fight the battles over on the other side of Jordan. He said, but if you will not do so, you won't come join us. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Look at it. Your, your, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, these little posters up here, these banners, and then the one out in the foyer. Your lack of investing and inviting will find us out. When you don't invest, when you don't invite, it's going to find you out. Well, that's that's your job, Rick. No, it's not. I have my own Jerusalem I'm responsible for. I have my own friends. I was praying for friends this week. There, there have been several times, some of you old-timers will remember this, there have been Maybe five or six times. Conservatively, I don't know. I'm not trying to adjust my halo. I don't know if there is a halo about this. Where I've had 20 people here on a Sunday. You say, yeah, but you, no, 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 no. I worked. I got on the phone and, and I, I called them. And I cultivated relationships. One Sunday we had a special day and we took pictures of people. I had a picture of of my old football coach, Troy Hinton. And we used to have our piano on the main floor over here. And I, I got a copy and I sent him a copy and I wrote him a letter when I got it back. We stayed in touch. I'd seen him around a lot. And when he died, it was a sad day for me. Coach was saved. And when I went to his funeral, there was, there was that picture on a table. He was inducted to the Madison County Athletic Hall of Fame. And there were about 1,300 people there. And I'm sitting in the audience. I go every April with my brother. Now that my parents are gone, there there are about three or four fathers and sons in it. There's hundreds of people in this. And one of those is my father and my brother in the athletic, Madison County Athletic Hall of Fame. And when they put Coach Hinton in, they, they... talk over different pictures and all of a sudden up on that screen was that picture of me and coach Hinton. I didn't know what was going to be in there. After the program was over I found my way to the front table and I, I found his son who was there to receive the award for him because he had already passed away, coach had. And I introduced myself and I said your father coached me and I, he said, oh, I know who you are. Your picture was up there tonight. And I said yes sir I noticed that and I was kind of wondering, uh, you know, uh, are you keeping that? He said, no, you, you want it? And I said, I would like to have it if you don't want it. He said, I want to tell you something, Rick. He said, he kept that picture up in a prominent place in his living room after my mom died. but But whenever you sent it to him, for all of his days, for all of his days, We had a Sunday where we gave out little little plaques to people that had made a difference in our life. And we had people stand up and tell what a difference they'd made. So, you have made a difference in my life. There was a man that, that said he was going to come and he couldn't come. Years later, I went into his house. He didn't know I was coming and there over his desk was that plaque. He's eighty seven years old now he said i keep I keep that plaque there that you sent me I'll never forget it. my mom's best friend who I knew her family well and I did her husband's funeral I did her funeral. We met our picture here, and her son said she she keeps that picture in her house when she was living. she kept it there forever. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm a good man. Listen, some of you could sow seed and you could invest and you could invite, but when you're stingy, you're not going to reap a harvest because you don't love people. It's all about you. You don't text them. You don't call them. You don't write them notes. And and people don't know, don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. In ancient history, the Greeks invented a god, a female goddess. Her name was Nemesis. Nemesis was a goddess who watched your behavior. And if you did wrong, she chased after you to compensate for your negative deeds. And she was the goddess of vengeance. Vengeance. That's why we say sometimes, uh, that's my nemesis. It's come to take the synonym of of someone, an individual that's a problem or a physical problem. Like I I pulled a hamstring, and the hamstring is athletes, my nemesis. It comes from, listen, even pagans understand you're going to reap what you sow. Be not deceived. He says, be not deceived. First, you make your choices. And then your choices make you. God gives you the right to make the choice. But after you make the choice, that choice is coming home to roost. You're going to reap what you have sown, and I am too. You cannot ignore God's law in the physical realm or in the spiritual realm. Whatever we plant is exactly what we're going to harvest. It's a cause and effect principle. The Bible says, "Blessed are ye that sow as so w sow beside all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass." I explained to this to you a few weeks ago that this probably meant. Uh, sowing rice, they would go in the rice fields when the rice there would be a little bit of water, and they would take these animals, oxen and donkeys, and and they would just generously and abundantly they would they would begin to sow rice, and those animals would would beat it down into the mud. And depending upon how much rice that you have sown, that's why he says, sow beside all waters. Get that out there, because that rice is going to come up. If you're a generous sower, you're going to have a generous harvest. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends. I was at a conference one time, and a young man, uh, he was the son of a pastor friend of mine, and he uh, he said, hey, hey, Rick, come over here, I want you to meet so-and-so, and I came and met one of his buddies. He said, this is Rick Johnson. He pastors in Huntsville. He said, he, he is my father's best friend. Well, I didn't know that. I knew we were close. I didn't know I was his dad's best friend. That same conference, someone else introduced me. and said, this is my best friend. Now, you can't have a bunch of best friends, Your goal is not to have a bunch of best friends. Your goal is just to be a friend. I went out to find a friend and there were no friends there. Nobody cared. Nobody liked me. But I went out to be a friend and friends were everywhere. Well, just nobody, that was not a friendly church. Well, be friendly. Love people. Care for them. Don't get your feet. Don't be petty. Be genuine. Serve people. Don't keep score. That's horrible. That will destroy more friendships than anything. Well, I paid last time. It's your turn. Don't live that way. And let me give you a couple of applications. Number one, the law of sowing and reaping is true in your life. It's true in your life. I've been hinting at this, but it's true in your life. Your character is the harvest of your habits. Your habits are the harvest of your choices. Your character is the harvest of your habits. And your habits are the harvest of your choices. Be careful how you choose. Someone said, Your habits will determine your future. And I believe that. Because really, your habits are your choices. But they're on autopilot. Your habits are autopilot choices that you've made. You're in a groove. And they're going for good or bad to determine. You're reaping the harvest of past choices. Someone said this Listen, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And then your values become your destiny. The law of sowing and reaping is true in your life for all of us. And it's true wherever you are now is what you have been becoming. And whatever you're doing to. Today is what you are going to be tomorrow. And if you, don't, if, you, if, if you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you've been getting. You have to change the seed and the amount of the seed and be generous with it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 18, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness... She'll be a sure reward. This is this is the word of God. This is God's promise, a sure reward. He's the guar- guarantor. He stands behind his promise. Just do what's right. Sow it. Sow it. Sow it. And you will reap a certain reward. I love these verses, James chapter. 3 verses 17 and 18. The wisdom that is from above, this is God's wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. This is the way a wise person that is godly behaves. Full, look at this full of mercy and good fruits. God's wisdom will make a life full, it won't make it empty. It's full of mercy, full of good fruits without partiality, and without hypocrisy. And God begins to produce this fruit in your life as you walk with God. And in that fruit are seeds for more fruit. Look at verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness, look at this, is sown. Now usually you sow seeds. But here you're sowing fruit because the fruit is who you are. It's the way you live. And when people, quote, taste of that fruit, when they engage with you, you're sowing these seeds in their life. And and the Bible said it's sown in peace of them that make peace. And every day that we engage lost people and other Christians, we sow and reap that which we have sown before. We sow righteousness, we sow peace into the lives of other people, and it will be sown back into the lives of others. That's in a church, that's in a family, that's on a football team. Somebody's got to start. Somebody's got to light the fuse. Warren Wiersbe said this, look at this, what we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. And what we sow determines what we reap. Well, that's good. What we are is what we live. And what we live is what we sow. You can't help but reproduce what you are. And what we sow determines what we reap. Oh, good friend, listen, invest and invite. Invest and invite. Someone said attitudes are habits of thought. Some of you are negative. Some of you are fault finding. Some of you are cynical. And, and here's why out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's your habit. You're negative towards your kids, towards your friends. It's just a habit. You have a negative attitude because it's your habit of thought. Until you begin to sow some different seed into your heart, and your mind, you're going to have a a sour attitude for the rest of your life. You can't just change your attitude. You have to change your heart with the Holy Spirit's help and your thoughts and your disposition will change. I wish I could credit this person. This is powerful. Listen to this. What strikes me more and more each day, listen, is the permanence of one's early life. The identity between youth and manhood Every habit, good and bad, of those early years seems to have permanently affected my whole life. And the battle is largely won or lost before it seems to begin. That's leaving the gospel out, but there's a lot of truth to that for our world. They're discouraged. They're stuck. They don't have Jesus and, and they feel like my, my my life is in concrete. I can't get out of here. One person said this, people don't luck out and have a good marriage. It is a long process of making good investments and sowing good seed and experiencing a good harvest. That means you, you need to take initiative, be attentive to. To the seeds that you sow. Just sow good seed. Be nice. Be thoughtful. Be considerate. Consistently. Just sow good seed. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. That's not just true in the world. That's true spiritually. Get in the Bible every day. Walk with God every day. There's a receiver. I don't necessarily like everything about him, but I'm going to take a principle out of his life. His name is Odell Beckham. He played for the New York Giants. And I think he was with the Cowboys for a while, but... In 2014, on a Monday night game, the Giants were playing the Cowboys, and uh, Manning threw a ball, and Beckham caught the ball. Some of you men that enjoy sports will remember this. You can look it up on the internet. Just put the best catch in the history of the NFL, and it'll come up. And He caught it one-handed, and he, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's often said it was the best in the history of the NFL. You say, well, he 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 had a lot of skill, but he had a lot of luck too, and that's what I would have said. Well, he was good. He's an NFL athlete. He was very skilled, but there was a lot of luck there. And then it came out later that Odell Beckham had practiced making one-handed listen had practiced making one-handed catches. Since high school, listen, every single day. For almost 20 years. He had practiced for almost 20 years, waiting for that moment. He wasn't lucky. He had consistently practiced until it showed up in a time and you never know when you're when your moment. I'm not trying to motivate you. This is just truth and it is motivating. It's true in your life. It's true in parenting. Part of parenting is initiating, it's sowing. In fact, most of your parenting is sowing. Proverbs 22:6, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he'll not depart from it. The word training is sowing. It's just sowing. The Hebrew word means to initiate. To initiate. At the very beginning of his life, in those early years, you're initiating. Adam Clark, the old Methodist commentator, I read some of his commentaries. Here's what he said about Proverbs 22, six. Listen to this. When the child comes to the opening of the way of life being able to walk alone and to choose. Talking to parents, he says, Stop at this entrance. Begin a series of instructions, how he is to conduct himself in every step he takes. Show him his duties, the dangers, the blessings of the path. Give him directions on how to perform the duties, how to escape the dangers, how to secure the blessings, which all lie before him. Fix these on his mind by daily inculcation till their impression has become indelible. Then lead him to practice by slow and almost I like this imperceptible degrees. You're sowing that seed till each indelible impression becomes a strongly fixed habit, Adam Clark. I was at my boys baseball practice and on a Saturday morning. I was a little bit tired I really didn't want to go and the coach's son was out there and he was having his way with his coach with the father and I was watching my boys out there and I thought I, I can't believe he needs to sit him down just say you go sit down you didn't obey didn't do anything. he had no respect for his father well a lady came down to sit by me on the bleachers back there. We introduced ourselves to each other. I found out it was Coach's wife. That was she was the mother of the boy that was out there. And I'm always seeking to be a witness and help and I knew it's all you know, we'd be there all season. She said, Who are your boys? I pointed out my boys. Oh, your boys, your boys, listen to my husband. We talked about it. They they pay attention. And she looked at me and she said, you know, some parents are lucky, aren't they? I got so mad. I won't say, no, we're not lucky. You're lazy. Little nine-year-old boy out there telling your husband what to do. I didn't do it. Because I knew she was lost and she needed Jesus. But I think a lot of times what we do is we just assign, well, you just found somebody good. You're so lucky. You're just so lucky at that job. You're just so lucky. That's an affront. I sowed some seed. I sowed some seed. Listen to me. Hope. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. You must take a biblical framework. And with God's help, and God's mercy, because it's going to take that. Because that child has their own will. You're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. But one day, if you're not passive... Claim those kids for God. Let me show you a picture. I love this picture. Will you put that up there, buddy? On the left is John Wooden, coach of UCLA. I think he won 11, 12 consecutive NCAA championships. That's Lou Alcinder on the left before he changed his name. Notice the attentiveness. See the coach coaching him. On the right is Coach Feeble, his back bent in age. And there's his protege, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, taking care of the man that taught him. His players had the utmost respect for him. Listen, friends, keep sowing seed. Keep sowing seed. Those seeds will blossom in every area you don't judge a day by by how many by your harvest you judge your day by the seeds that are sown and then finally the law of sowing and reaping is true in evangelism and discipleship by sowing the word of god into the life of a person on a daily basis i want to encourage you to to press on. To press on. And, and, and just, just say, Lord, sometimes I struggle with this. I, I, am not, I am not good at this. But people have sown into your life. Your mama, your daddy, your Sunday school teachers, your, your pastors, your friends. And they have believed in you. And who are you believing in? Who are you investing in? Who are you teaching? Who are you witnessing to? Who are you who are you teaching the word of God to? This is our community. This is all of us. We're all to do this. And you have your you have your own Jerusalem. Let, let's not mock God. Let's not be deceived about this. Let's think, well, this doesn't apply to me. It applies to every person in here. We must be about sowing the, the seeds of the gospel. These seeds in different areas at work, at home, in our church. And, and then leave the harvest to God. That's all you can do. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, one day you're going to give an account for your sins. Because you've broken the law of God. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. I know you don't want to go to hell. I don't want you to go there. If you'd like to be saved. and Here, Here's the exception to the law of sowing and reaping. Is God will wipe your record clear and forgive all of your sin. Now you may have to pay the consequences on earth. But there's a spiritual consequence that He will remove, that of hell. And He will remove that consequence, if you would, but put your faith and trust in Him as your Savior. And ask Him to save you and to deliver you. And the Holy Spirit will come in and take residence in you. And He will help you and give you the desire and the ability to be able to walk with God. But I beg you, I I plead with you to begin today to start changing your harvest. I want to do better. I want our church to do better. Would you bow your heads with me? When you sow more, you reach more. I wonder with your heads bowed and eyes closed as